Recording in progress. I want to encourage us to give our due attention um, to the the uh, pro, the proclamation of God's word today. Um, before I do get into prayer, there's one thing that I want to say. I want to teach you guys, um, and it's it's not something that is taught in the church today, but it is nevertheless true. Um, a lot of times people say, I am the church. I'm sure you've heard of that before many times. And let me, let me be the first to uh, burst certain people's bubbles. It's true and it's not true. Um, it's true depending on who's saying it and why they're saying it and what they mean when they say that. Um, it's true in this sense that collectively we are the church. But individually you are not the church. If you look in the passages in first if you look in first Corinthians, the only time that Paul says that is when he's referring uh to the to the people of God in in the in in plurality. He never refers <clears throat> to us as the church of God singular singularly. That is to say, you by yourself do not composite you do not compose the church. The church is, in the Greek, it means assembly. So let me ask you this. Can you assemble by yourself? No, that's not an assembly. There are assembled parts when you purchase something from Amazon, right? You got to assemble it together. And so the church only becomes the church as the assembly. That is to say, it assumes a plurality of people. Why is this important? It's because the Bible time and times again says that I will proclaim your name in the great assembly. In the midst of the congregation will I praise your name, O Lord. Um, <clears throat> Moses uh, 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 ministered the law to the assembly from Mount Sinai. And so God has a unique way of speaking in the assembly. This is why YouTube sermons don't suffice. This is why even seminaries won't do. This is why Bible colleges won't do. Because the Bible college, while the people of God join, that's not God's house. That's not the ecclesia. That is not the assembly. That, that is not the church. That, that is God's people uh, assembling to attend an institution. But it's not the church. And so, why is this important? Because God has purposed to speak in the church. Amen? This is why there are only some answers you get from the Lord as you gather together. Does that make sense? And so, if... if I understand that God can speak from the Bible, and we read the Bible... And the Lord will will speak to us. The, the words leap off from the pages and everything like that. I understand that. But um, God has purposed to speak in a unique way in as the saints are gathered together in the assembly. Um, I don't have time to go at, uh, into depth with that and to go at great length with that. But... It is nevertheless true. Can someone say amen? 
<coughs> say amen, type amen. <coughs> um, and what this does, it barricades people from pride. Um, and the reason I, the reason why I want to emphasize this is because I want to hack away any of these um, these religious ideas. One thing I, I cannot stand and I won't tolerate in our gatherings is religiosity. Um, you might say, well, we are we are um, in a religion in one sense, and I say, and to that I do say yes. But what I mean by religious is there are so many people that are more religious than they are biblical. And when you show them Bible, they get offended. They get mad and they get upset and they just, they don't want to learn. And they're so proud and um, obstinate and they're stubborn. And um, I just recently had uh, someone tell me, um, and sadly my my own uncle, he told me, that um, I was some Pharisee because I told my sister that she's cursed, and um, and and I told her that she's cursed because she's practicing voodoo and witchcraft and and uh, and all this other stuff and um, and and her life keeps falling apart. And I said very frankly, well, if if you want your life to get better, come and talk to me. I didn't tell her the gospel. I didn't tell her anything because I'm I'm throwing out the invitation. If you want your life to get better, come and talk to me. I know your problem. You're cursed, and um, and so um, you know the the word of the Lord says the house of the wicked is cursed, but the house of the just is blessed. I'm I'm, I'm simply spitting scripture and and I don't. I'm sure you guys have had that happen to you before. You you share scripture. Then you're accused of, of you know this, that, or the other, of being false or something. It's it's nonsense, and so <clears throat> um, let us be biblical, not emotional. And um, if you if you, I'll leave it there, but we need to be biblical and and not emotional, and um, and and it's from there that we grow. We grow from from the scriptures, not how we feel, amen. Um, and so, um, but yeah, it, it's 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 sad. It's unfortunate. And and the the thing is, this my uncle claims to be a Christian. That that was the sad part. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. But nevertheless, um, <clears throat> let's pray, Father God. We <clears throat> we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I just ask of you, Lord, right now in this moment to to bring your presence, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak in the great assembly, that you would speak in the congregation. Father, I pray that you would use my mouth as the very oracles of God. I pray, Lord, that your church would be corrected. Um, They would also be inspired. They would be reproved. They would be edified. They would be consoled and comforted by your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would lift us up from um, any distress. I pray that your peace and your joy would (coughs) be a resonating factor within our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would give your people the ability to receive the word that goes forth today by your grace. And to make an implementation of, of your wisdom into their lives. God, I just come against every demonic spirit. 
every lying spirit, every distracting spirit right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would give your people attention or that they may profit at the proclaiming of your word, O Lord. Father, I pray that there would be a heart and spirit of reverence. And Father, I pray, Lord, that none of these words would fall to the ground. They would be like Samuel, not allow one single word from the Lord to fall to the ground. Father, increase wisdom among your people. Increase knowledge among your people. Increase your power and strength among your people. And Father, I pray right now for those that might feel too much in their emotions to where they can't receive. Lord, I pray that you would dispel every tactic from the enemy to try to abort what you want to birth in their lives. In Jesus' name, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, may we have great influence among among men and primarily with you. Hallelujah. May your presence come. Father, I invoke your name. I acknowledge your name. And I pray that you would dwell in the midst of your people, Lord. Dwell in the midst of your people. Dwell in our midst. Dwell in our midst. Dwell in our midst, O Holy Spirit. Dwell in our midst, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Hallelujah. I just want you to just, um, just for one more minute, just begin to praise the Lord. Father, we praise you for the blood. We praise you for the cross. <coughs> we worship you, Lord. It's not that we loved you, but you first loved us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we're not condemned. We thank you that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are so good and you are merciful and your mercy endures forever. Lord, I thank you, Father, because you redeemed our lives from the pit. You've crowned, crowned us with loving kindness. Thank you, Jesus, that your spirit lives within us, that we don't have a dead religion of Islam or Buddha. We thank you that you're very real and you answer us and you care. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. <coughs> Once again, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to get to get it out. Um I want you to understand that is we hear we hear God's word and we're receptive, it causes our ways to prosper. Amen. This is why hearing the word of the Lord is important. Because the Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who meditates on the law, Lord, uh, law of the Lord day and night. He shall be as a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. 
And everything he does prospers. Everything he does. Not some things, but everything he does prospers. Amen. The Christ, We as Christians, we should live prosperous lives. You know why? Because our God is not a God of poverty. Our God is not a God that wants his people to be famished. It's when you live lives of sin that your ways are not prosperous. It's when you sin that your plans are always frustrated. It's when you live in sin that you live a, a tumultuous life, a life that is unpredictable, a life that is full of pain and distress. Does it not say in the Word that those who live by the Spirit, that it's life and peace? It's life and peace for those who live by the Spirit, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And this is where we need to be instructed from his word rather than what pop culture is saying. And what's, what even mainstream Christianity is saying with many of its influencers who are not um, teaching the truth of the Lord. It's the ideas of men, traditions of men, philosophies of men. And while they appear to be harmless, they nevertheless have a consequence if you don't believe the word of the Lord you'll find your your life ends up off course. The ways of the Lord are straight paths. Amen? They make a straight way for us. And they, they, they are clear paths. The Bible says that the law of the Lord instructs the simple, that the entrance of His Word gives light. <coughs> the Word says in Psalm 119 that the law of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so if we want to live with purpose, we want to live with direction, then we look to the word of the Lord. We don't look to modern psychiatry or we don't look to those things. We don't look for light among the dark. Amen, somebody. I'm not saying that, you know, worldly people can't ever give, you know, good teaching, you know, that's why colleges exist. They're pretty good at what they advise us on, you know, whether it's science or stuff like that. But when we're talking about life and godliness, we're not to be instructed in the precepts of the Lord and life and godliness among the dead. So, um, um, let's see. In fact, let, let us uh, let us turn to Proverbs three. Um, I don't know. I you know, I wish I knew where all the Bible verses are. I've just read so much over the years. I kind of spit them out, and I, I don't know where they come from. I think uh, that one might have been a, an Isaiah. Don't you know, search for light among the dead, or I think it's, I think that might be in Isaiah. Thank you. I think I meant the one from, um, for the house that prospers versus the house of the wicked. Oh, yeah, that's in Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter four, I believe it is. Okay, thank you. I just need to write that down. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. No, no problem. 
Uh, is it Proverbs chapter 4? Um, babe, could you, could you just search for it real quick? Um, it says that the, the, the curse is on the house of the wicked, but the house of the just is blessed. So let, let, let us turn to Proverbs chapter three. <clears throat> um, when you have it, say amen. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. What I want to do is just read the text and hopefully we can gain some wisdom from the Lord's Word. I don't I don't intend on giving a topical study today. I just, yes, it's Proverbs, oh, Proverbs chapter 14. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright, no, I don't think that's it. Um, it says the house of the uh, wicked is cursed. Uh, Proverbs 3, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. There you go. But both kind of resonate together. Um, but let, let us read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Um, my son, do not forgive my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. And we're just going to go verse by verse. <clears throat> I think one of the, the observations that we get here is that the Lord is addressing us as sons. And also, now this is a very patriarchal uh, society. So um, there's often only masculine pronouns that are used, but we can infer that it's also referring to daughters too. So whether daughter or son, the, the reality is this, is that there's a sense of endearment that God is, um, is relating to us in relationship and that the commands that he gives us is in the context of his relationship to us. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when if someone doesn't know me and they, they have very loud opinions about what I should be doing and they don't care about me, I just dismiss them. Um, well, and I, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but the majority of the time people are wrong anyways. <laughs> people are wrong anyways. And so uh, that, that largely explains why I don't give ears to, to many people. Um because the masses and the majority is almost always wrong. Um, but secondly, the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. In Ephesians. And we need to have an element of love. Not only for the world, but especially for the church. We need to love our brother. We need to love our sister. Sometimes, let me say this. That love isn't interpreted as love. Um, you might misinterpret someone's love, but they genuinely love you. And sometimes love will stifle and prevent you to do what you want to do. <coughs> I remember, you know, uh, when I was a youngster and I wanted to live my life of crime and drugs and stuff. And I, I couldn't see my life without using substances. Um there were people who loved me who tried to prevent me from doing that, but it angered me. Why? Because 
Drugs at that time was my idol. That was my God. And all of this, uh, it, that lifestyle was my God, right? And so when people try to cut off idolatry from your life, um, it's a loving thing. But as a consequence, people sometimes they get angered. But God here is instructing us from love. And he's telling us, do not forget my teaching. Why? Because he understands that you're going to have a temptation, a proclivity, an inclination, a tendency to forget what he has instructed you. He doesn't command us where there is no need for us to give attention to. You are prone to it. I am prone to it. We can even love the Lord. We can be sincere, but you and I are prone to forget. Amen. You know, um, I was telling a brother the other day that I, I haven't used in so long that sometimes I forget the, you know, because I used to sell drugs and stuff. I forgot the the weighing system. I'm like, how much makes an ounce again? How much makes, you know, um, sometimes it slips past my mind. But uh, um, it, but at that time, it was it was a daily practice and. And, and I never forgot back then. Why? Because it was a habitual lifestyle. I was an expert in it. <clears throat> because I no longer do that, I forget. And I'm glad I forget. Because it, it's irrelevant to my life. It's not going to profit my life. Do you understand? It's not something I care about anymore. So, however, as a Christian... Guess what? When you don't make these things a habit, if you don't make this a lifestyle, if you're not intentional to keep reminding yourself and and perfecting your knowledge in the Lord's Word, as a consequence, you may forget. This is why it says that um, we are to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, that man cannot live on bread alone, but must feed on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <clears throat> and and let me let me just throw this little twist to you. That that Jesus cites that in Luke chapter in Luke chapter four, making reference to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, as we know, is one of the first books of the Bible authored by Moses. Now Moses wrote this in a time where the people did not have the Bible. So let me ask you this: What was their daily bread? What was the word that they were to feed upon if they didn't have the manuscripts? And not only that, to further complicate the issue, much later when scribes began to transcribe the word of the Lord, it was only the priests who had the scriptures. So what did the people of God do? The word that they were to feed upon is what they were instructed by the priests. Or in, De in the book of Deuteronomy, in their case, it was what Moses had instructed the people. And so this is why, once again, going back to the idea that I mentioned earlier, it's not always sufficient that you appeal to the scriptures. Um, and don't hear, now, don't, I know some of you are already afraid, like, oh, what is he saying? Is he, you know, uh, I'm not questioning the authority of the Bible. I am only stating the fact that there is a need for instructors of the Bible to teach the church. That's all I'm saying. You following me? 
That's all I'm saying. Because I have to balance this. Because sometimes people will only say, I just need the scriptures. I don't need a, a man of God in my life. I just need the Bible. That's false because the Bible tells you that you need them. And it tells us that in Ephesians 4. And so I want to correct that thinking because it sounds humble, but it's actually very prideful. Very prideful. Because a lot of times what people like that do, they just want to edit out what they don't like in the Bible because they're afraid that their thinking will be corrected. That's why they want to side with that. Because they always want to be right. They, they don't ever want to have checks and balances. <coughs> and so I, I'm, I'm not here to, to purport my mind. I want to look at the scriptures and say, what did Jesus teach us? What did Paul teach us? And let us grow in that. Amen? Amen. Like it says in the book of Acts, now I commend you to the word of uh, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all them that are sanctified. So we're built up by the word of his grace. We're torn down by the philosophies of men. We're torn down by the religious traditions of men. Um, and I, I know I bag on this a lot, but cessationism is a good example. Look how it, tear down, how it tears down the church. <coughs> the fact that they teach you that God no longer speaks by prophecy today, that he don't heal today, that tongues don't exist. That, look at what that teaching has done to the body of Christ. And because it's not rooted in the scriptures, it's rooted in what they've been taught by their abomination. I mean, their denomination. <laughs> okay. Um, but he says, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> Uh, Aiden. It says, but keep my commandments in your heart. So what happens if you don't keep something? You lose it. I'm, uh, uh, what happens if you don't keep your virginity? And I'm sorry, that's just the first example that came to my mind. And it might be relevant. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you. That, that's what I've learned. If I ever have these bizarre examples or examples that are taboo where you think like, why are you going there? Um, normally it's because it's relevant to someone and God wants to speak to their conscience. <clears throat> but if you don't keep your virginity, what happens? You lose it. And some things that you can lose and you can't get back. You can't ever get your virginity back. If you lose your life, you can't get it back. Right? If you lose someone to death, you can't get them back. Now, of course, there's a miracle. God can perform that, of course. <clears throat> but you can't get time back. But thank the Lord that if we've lost his commands, we can gain it back. If we've lost our first love, we can gain it back. So he says, keep it. Keep these commands in your heart. See, this is why I hate cemeteries. I mean, seminaries. I don't hate them. 
I, I show disdain when, when we gravitate towards uh, cemeteries and, and seminaries and we don't have fire in our heart. If, if you have fire in your heart, go ahead and go to seminary. And I'm sorry, I don't want to be insulting for those who actually aspire to go to Bible college. It can be a good thing. Just make sure that your heart is on fire. Right? Because what a lot of them teach you to do is keep the commands in your head but not in your heart. If they're in your heart, then go ahead and cultivate the life of the head. That's my main thing. And and if someone's on fire for God and they're not being corrupted by, by a biblical institution, it's actually a solid Bible college, then more power to them. Um, I just have, you know, these preacher dad jokes sometimes that you have to be patient with me on it. <coughs> um, but he says, keep my commands in your heart. So there has to be an element of affection when we're reading the word of God. We have to embrace it. David says, I love your law. It's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Right? It's sweet. And, and why? Because... It's coming from the one whom we love. You know, here's another error we must guard ourselves from. A lot of times, a lot of Bible students, a lot of those Reformed guys, a lot of those cessationist guys, they love the Bible more than they love God. And so they all love speaking theology. They'll love to split hairs over the Greek and say, what does the Hebrew say right here? And they'll get real deep into this stuff. But... They lose sight of Jesus. And we know that this is possible because even the Pharisees studied the scriptures intently, thinking that in them they had eternal life. And Jesus says, you don't know that they testify of me. And so that, that's suggestive of the fact that, you know, people say, I read my Bible every day. I'm kind of sounding, sounding like Kent Hovind, huh? <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever listened to him. You know, he's he's a real good guy. He debunks a atheism and and like um, evolution and stuff like that. And um, he, he's he's a good he's a good uh, teacher as far as, as that's concerned. <coughs> but um, but nevertheless, we have to keep the commands in our heart. And and and. Um, we have to be able to read the scriptures through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is a prophetic book. And this book is intended to give us revelation. Well, who does the revealing? The Father. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Amen. <coughs> That's why it says... That in the in the book of Ephesians it says that the the script it says that this gospel was revealed to the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, and and so this is a thing of revelation. This is why a lot of people can read the Bible in 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 um, even Bible colleges is is because while they read the Bible, the scroll hasn't been opened to them. There's a seal on the scroll, and it's only God, the Holy Ghost, that can unlock the seal for you to gain understanding. Amen. 
This is why, why they weary themselves on their doctrinal treadmills, exhausting them, you know, exhausting themselves using rivers of ink, publishing their theological treatises and systematic theology books, but they are not gaining an inch of light. And if they do gain light, there uh, many times people don't walk in the light they have. <coughs> this is why I think sometimes I really get tired of just hear people, you know, it's like Mars Hill in Acts 17. You know, I comment on one of these guys' posts on um, on uh, Facebook. They ask, some guy was asking, what's what's the purpose of, what did he say? Um, they're getting real philosophical about, if God knows everything, why do we have to pray? And I'm like, man, why do we keep asking these stupid questions? Just start doing it. Stop philosophizing about the word of God and start obeying it. And I comment on there, I said, the people who ask these questions have never seen the results of prayer. And someone laughed at my comment. And I'm like, yeah, you don't see its results because you don't do very much of it if you're laughing at me. It's true. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, like, okay, like, I use this phone, and a lot of businessmen use this phone, you know, we use our devices, but I'm not gonna weary myself over want, trying to understand how this functions, do you get, and, and, and until I understand how it functions, I won't use it, no, that's nonsense, you know, just get in just get in a situation where someone's trying to take your life and then we'll see whether or not you need to understand if it works until you to call the cops. So, you know, people like that, they just they're not in distress and so they don't call on God, so they need to understand, well, how does this function? How does this work? And you know, I'm not going to do it until I can make philosophical sense of it. Well, I guess Anyways, <clears throat> we have to keep the stuff in our hearts. And uh, verse 2, it says, For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So look at what the results are for those who keep the commands of the Lord, who keep the words of the Lord in their heart. And remember, understand that this is all coming from the address that the Lord gives to you and I when he calls you sons and daughters. So this isn't to, he's not a cosmic killjoy. He's not looking for ways to make your life miserable. He's looking for ways to make your life full of peace, prosperity, and for your years to be prolonged. You know, th this is a, you know, a lot of those Calvinists say, say God is sovereign. And and they 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 emphasize sovereignty so much, this hyper sovereignty, as if like <coughs> down to the very detail of my life, like God from eternity past said, "You will be doing this on this day at this second," and and that's just not true. And and what they they say stuff like that so they can have psychological security. If anything bad in their life happens and they'll say, well, God foreordained this and I'm in the perfect will of God and nothing can ever take me out of this perfect predetermined. It's almost as a sense of robotic theology. 
You're just a robot pre-programmed to do what you've been foreordained to do many millennia ago. <clears throat> and why do I say this? Is because the Bible says if you don't keep the commands, your years will be cut short. There are things you can do that really do matter that impact the world that you live in. Look at for those who had taken the communion in an unworthy manner. They were undiscerning of the body. And what did Paul say? He says, for this reason, some of you have died, have become sick and weak. So there's three categories. Those who have become weak, those who have become sick, and those who have died. So what does that suggest? That there are certain persons who did not discern the body, who didn't understand the teachings of the Lord, did what they wanted to do, and their lives were cut short. It's true. Now, I want to caution and say, look, God is not with a lightning bolt looking for every opportunity to strike you down. Oh, look, he, he messed up here. Let me get this full. No, that's not, that's not how God operates. And I know I'm being hyperbolic here and you know, exaggerating a bit, but I want you to get the idea that God is not looking for every opportunity to strike you down. But if we continue to persist in doing the complete opposite of what our loving Heavenly Father has instructed in us, then what do you think is going to happen? He's not going to twist your arm. Amen. And, and, and the beat you into subjection until, you know what I mean? <coughs> I remember one apologist said, <coughs> the greatest compliments that the Lord could ever pay mankind is to entitle him to his own decisions. But look at what the word of the Lord says. If we keep his commands, they will prolong our years. They will prolong our years. And bring you peace and prosperity. You know, it says when the ways of the when a man's ways please the Lord, he says he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, but what do the modern street preachers do? They they just parade themselves that they make everybody an enemy of them. And then they'll they'll gloat and say, Look at the persecution that is to come. Yay, we're last days. I'm one of the remnant. Am I lying? Or am I telling the truth? That's what they do. Yeah, you're among the remnant of those who are hated because of your obnoxious behavior. That's why you're hated. See, Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, not obnoxious, uh, not for not being, not for being obnoxious. You, you get what I'm saying? <clears throat> he says, for righteousness sake, not for being belligerent and being, being um, a contrarian to being a thorn in people's side. Amen. And, and here's the thing is, is when th there's, Here's what we fail to understand. This is why our Christianity is so lopsided. We fail to recognize that there is a dimension in God where there are many of your enemies that will respect you and favor you because of the anointing on your life. Hallelujah. 
You don't you don't believe me? Uh we'll skip we'll skip verse three real quick just to go to verse four and then we'll go back to verse two. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verse 4, Proverbs 3. So what is the result of our keeping the commands of the Lord? <coughs> we win favor in the sight of God and man. <clears throat> you know, it was amazing. There was this lady that I prophesied to at a, at a dentist. When when my wife and I went to when my wife had to go to the dentist and I was in I was in the lobby and and I and I was just praying in tongues underneath my breath, you know, I wasn't doing it out loud so people think I'm weird, they don't understand so I'm not going to do that. It's not the church and so the church should know because the church just believes the Bible, but <coughs> I, I was speaking in tongues and. I was like, Lord, uh, if there's anything you'd like for me to share to her, you know, give me a word for her. And then I just started, you know, God spoke to me. I just introduced myself. I said, hey, uh, you know, um, I just started a conversation with her. She's behind the desk. And then I was like, I know this sounds crazy, but I have a word from God for you. And I just began to share um, her life and things that the Lord was showing me. And she just started weeping. And why do I say that? Because even though she's living a life of sin, she still follows me on Instagram and and doesn't hate me for 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 my for my uh views. Why? Because right she knows that I am a carrier of Christ, that the Holy Ghost is in me and that I presented to her a Christ that actually loves her. Amen. <clears throat> it's always the religious that I get backlash from. They say you really don't know the Bible and you know they they love to slander me and all this other stuff. But when it comes, you know, it's it's amazing because there's gang members in my city and this isn't about me. This is just I'm just using this as an example. The same should be true for you. There's gang members in my city that respect me. And I, I can go in their hood, shake all their hands like, yo, what's up, dude? And, and, and they won't trip off me. And in fact, they'll, they'll tell everybody like, yo, this dude's cool. Why? Because I'm not, I'm there for their peace. I'm a peacemaker and I want their prosperity and I want what's, what's, I will good towards them. And they see that. And I'm not just there to deride them and to insult them and make their lives miserable. And they see that. People know when you actually come with the love of Christ. Just, just recently, you know, my wife could attest, I seen a bunch of uh, uh, kids, you know, gather together, you know, get, you know, getting up in each other's face. And, and this was my old neighborhood you know it was uh, an old block that i used to go around and um, i stopped because they were gonna fight and you know my wife was scared praying and i'm I, i'm just confident knowing i got favor with them and they were fighting and uh i don't know for what they had boxing gloves on but i could still tell that it was kind of like a respectful fight where they weren't really trying to demolish each other but they were still trying to release their steam on each other 
And then I was just, I went over there saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm checking on my block. And they, they, you know, I shook a number of their hands. They were cool, even though they know I'm a man of God and I'm a Christian now. Why? Because I haven't burnt bridges with them. I'm still able, and we, and the reason why I'm saying this is because we should still be able to have favor with not only with God, but with men. Do you understand? Be, amen. Amen. And, and, and if we don't, we need to evaluate something. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that there won't be people who hate us, but what it does mean is this, that that the Christ in us is so compelling that even if they don't repent, they still can respect you. They still respect you enough. And there was about 20 kids and all of them respected me. And I spoke to them like, you know, like, hey, look, I, I'm I'm calling the shots around here. Like, I'm making sure that this is good and you know, and, and, you know, they, they didn't dare say anything in opposition to me. Why? Because I know that I've built rapport and, and, and I can say that and we can be able to say, because people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Amen. Does it make sense? People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And so, like I said, normally the, the place where you're going to get a lot of hate are the churches, the synagogues, and they'll kick you out of there. <laughs> At least that's been my experience. You know, so. <clears throat> but, anyways. Um, you see, because the lost, they don't, they don't claim to be Christians. They don't claim to live by the Bible. And so it's, I'm not going to expect you to try to, uh, I'm not going to expect you to live by it if that's not your code of conduct. But when it comes to believers, and I'm, I'm pointing out the scripture saying this is what it, this is what it actually says. That's where, that's where, you know, those tensions are caused. You know, but nevertheless, it says, verse three, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so, this is just, um, once again, a command to not forget the commands of the Lord. We have to be intentional about putting them around our neck and writing them on our heart. <coughs> Why? Because the heart is the center. The Bible says, out of the heart flows the issues of life. And to guard your heart above all. And so we have to make sure that the word of the Lord is at the center of our being. And once again, what, what does it procure for us? Prosperity. So what does that mean? That means that um, you're, you're doing a good job at, at your work and your manager notices it. That means that you're not being inconsistent or uh, unreliable that you're a person of your word and they begin to take notice of that and they can't keep an, a, a person with great gifting in a position of, of obscurity for long your gift will make room for you that's what the word of the Lord says that your gift will make room for you 
Your character will make room for you. But where does character development come from? It comes from the reading and the obedience to the Word of God. Do you understand? Have you taken note of the fact? Remember when Jesus had uh, told, uh, what's his, uh, you know, the man isn't named, <coughs> but he says, he tells his disciples, go grab this donkey, and if anyone asks who needs it, say, the Lord has need of it. See, what he was doing wasn't committing theft. He had so much pull and so much favor <coughs> that he could ask for property and people not object to it. Do you understand? He had favor with men. See, because he wasn't asking for a donkey as God. Because as God, he owns everything. Remember, he was nevertheless a man dependent on the Holy Spirit. So as a man, he had favor with men. And so on the strength of his favor with men, he was able to say without even asking to get a donkey, knowing that it was his favor that, in, that, uh, uh, that did the persuasion. That makes sense. Like there, like first, you know. For I'll leave it there. I think I think uh, I, <coughs> I've explained it well enough. Verse four it says, "Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man." See, some of us have a good name with God, but our name among men is poor. Some of us have favor with God, but we don't have favor with men. We need both. We need both. You'll be surprised at, 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 at the fact that you will be praying and you have favor with God and, and you, you say, Lord, I need this, I need this. But because you're dishonorable to people, you close doors. And as a consequence of your dishonor to people, you don't have favor among people. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, in other words, our obedience to the Word of God shouldn't result in us living a lopsided life. Um, look at Daniel look at the excellence he carried that, that he would be able to become elevated in the king's palace he was elevated in the king's palace why because he did a poor job no because he outperformed the astrologers and the soothsayers and the enchanters, and the witches, and the warlocks. Why? Because he had favor with God, and he did he did not allow his good name before God to, to excuse himself from having a good name among men. 
Because guess what? It was precisely his favor with men that kept him in the palace. I know some of, I know some of us think that this is irrelevant. Some of us think that this is a not needed. But it is. And you will see <coughs> that if, if this is something you don't maintain, it will become a burden to you later in life. Amen, somebody? Amen. So, um, We as a church need to be as a uh, we need to be a force to be reckoned with. We need to be um hold on. Someone's mic isn't muted. Oh. Yeah, so we we as the church <clears throat> we need to be an influence in the world. We need to be an influence in the world for Christ. And if we if we um, eliminate this aspect, then we won't be able to we will not be able to wield that form of influence. It isn't for self, it isn't for the exaltation of a name, it's it's for the exaltation of Christ. <coughs> Let me give you this example. I remember some years back when when I was just saved. <clears throat> I was a new believer and um and um and I loved the Lord with all my heart, very sincere. But there was the bishop that had attended one of the youth services. I don't know why he was there. But at the end, um I forgot what I did, but I I I did not account for the fact that I had, although unintentionally, I had disrespected him. And I was I was young. I was only seventeen at the time. I, I didn't I didn't intend on doing that. And uh, the the brothers were like, "Hey, bro, like, don't you know that's the bishop?" And um, I said, uh, "So what?" I was like, "I was like, he's just a man." But now I understand. That that's that's not the way to think. Yeah, I think it was the way that I shook his hand. And and now looking back, I know that that's not the way to think. It that that is a form of dishonor, and dishonor will prevent you from obtaining favor with people. Amen. But Amen. honor is what earns you a good name. And so sometimes we are so God-focused that we forget that there are people that are distinguished, that are worthy of our honor. And you will be surprised at the, the, the boss that you honor, the, the employer that you honor, 
they will el- they look this is this is the secrets of honor that if you honor a man that you can be in equal credentials with all these other candidates that that employer is that the employer is offering a new position everyone is equally credentialed and because you were the honorable vessel that distinguished them and recognized their distinguishing factors in all of their hard work and you've honored it, they will elevate you above that person. Amen. You could have cast out a hundred demons for all that employer cares. But if you're dishonorable, they don't they don't care. They don't care about your theology degree. They don't care about what church you went to. All they care about is it because men are men and men want honor. You could fight against it. You, you can argue against it. Just wait until you have kids. You know you want honor from your kids. And so do the, the men of this world. And if you honor them, you will be elevated above everybody. That is the way of the... <clears throat> and so we learn honor from God, and we, we then translate that to our relations, the men. And that's what gains us access. That's, and we don't do it just for access sake. We do it because we, we, we have been consumed with this teaching, with the understanding that this is what we are to do. This is who we are as Christians. We are representing a, a, a king who is majestic, who is himself worthy of honor. Amen. It says, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own, own, own understanding. <coughs> In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So a lot of disobedience stems from our distrust in the ways of God. A lot of times people feel like they got to help God. Like God ain't coming through or as if he don't know what he's doing. And so what we do is, since you don't trust, it's like Abraham. What happened when he didn't trust God? See, God knew what he was doing, but Abraham felt like he had to help out God, and so he then had taken Hagar and did what he did, right? And then he birthed an Ishmael. He didn't trust the ways of the Lord for that for that period of time. And then later he corrected himself and he understood, okay, you're going to use Isaac, but that's what we do is we want certain things to come to pass in our lives. Uh, maybe God promised you that you're, you're going to, you know, he's going to provide for you. Maybe, maybe you have a vision and, and God said, I'll provide for you so you can fulfill that vision. But instead of trusting him, you begin lying on, on your request for grants or you lie on, on you know, your welfare papers so you can get extra money or you lie on your taxes. That is being wise in your own eyes. That's what it means. Because you're not believing the Lord. And it's coming down to, I don't believe God. I, and therefore, because I need this to happen, I'm going to choose my ways because they are wiser than the Lord's. 
that's may not what that may not be what you say but in practice that's what it amounts to or i i, I don't need to wait for marriage who needs that We're playing God. That's what we're doing. Remember when Amen. remember when the serpent beguiled Eve <coughs> and he says, oh, oh no, God didn't say you shall surely die, for he knows that the day you eat of this fruit, you shall be like him. See, one of the greatest temptations from the beginning was to be God. Is to be what what is called um um by philosophers, autonomous. Altos means self, namas means law, and it basically means be a law unto yourself. You are your own law. Last time I checked, God is the lawgiver. That's the essence of satanic philosophy. Do what thou wilt. Right? Do what thou wilt. That And what did Satan tell Eve? For It says, For it is pleasurable to the eye to make one wise. That was the day man became wise in his own eyes. You want to know one of the symptoms of being wise in your own eyes? The Bible says, A fool is wise in his own eyes more than seven men who can answer sensibly. If everybody is telling you you're wrong and you still say I'm right, you're a fool. And you're wise in your own eyes. Kind of how like when when a, when a, a minister or a pastor says, yeah, I don't think that brother's for you. I don't think that sister's for you. And then you are wise in your own eyes and say, ah, you know, what what is what does this fool know? Amen, somebody, or are or, or we, uh... Amen. <clears throat> Amen. And the rest of you? Is that, is that an amen or is that an ouch? <clears throat> an ouch. No. <laughs> amen. Um... Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord. What does it mean to trust in Him? If He says something in His Word, we obey it. We don't fight against it. We don't fight against it. And it says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not some of it. With all of it. You know, it's kind of like the teenagers, right? They're so wise. And they think that their parents don't know what they're talking about, right? Amen. <laughs> you know, or... Now, I remember when I was a, a mentor for a high school... 
and uh, I would lace up these youngsters, and and the, sometimes we're like, ah, and then you know, and then you know, I would instruct them and tell them what the wise thing to do was, and then maybe like a month later or two weeks later, they face the consequences of what they did, or maybe in a relationship, I was like, what happened? What happened? Head down. You're right. What? Can't hear you. <laughs> you know, there was this uh, brother some just recently. That was about like um, a year ago. I told him, I said, man, I, um, I want you to know that I, I am not speaking my own authority. There's something that I have to say that I, it comes out of prayer. And it was regarding the church he was going to. And I was like, there's sin in the leadership. And I wasn't going there. He's like, ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, know, you don't know what you're talking about. He got offended. Well, just recently I spoke to him. And uh, one of the leaders is a smoking meth. The other one's fornicating. And there's other things too going on in the leadership. And I told him, I said, bro, what did I tell you? He said, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to admit it. And the point, though, is this. <clears throat> People who, the, the Lord knows, he's all-knowing. We need to trust him. We need to trust him. Your professors, you know, unless they're a gender studies professor, which you shouldn't be in that trash class anyways. <laughs> like, you need to repent. Why are you in that class? No, but your professors, they know what they're talking about. You know? Uh, be humble. Learn. Right? And so it says, in all your ways, submit to him. Submission begins where agreement ends that's the essence of submission do you understand that submission begins where your agreement with that person ends do you understand why now how submission and why submission is so hard if you agreed to it it wouldn't be submission I don't know if, if any of you guys have ever been wrestling, but I used to do MMA, and and before I got saved, I did that stuff, and there's a pride there, and sometimes people are so proud that they would rather get their arm broken than submit. That's how strong people's pride is. Don't be like that. Where the Lord has to break you. Because the Lord, the Lord is stronger than you. And 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 Jacob learned the way. The Lord, Jacob had to learn this way. He he got his hip dislodged, and his walk wasn't the same ever again, because he wrestled with God. He didn't want to submit to the Lord. Some of you, your lives are still robbed of peace because you keep wrestling with the Lord. You won't submit. 
And guess what? The Lord doesn't get weary. And there comes to a point to where he says, you know what? This child of mine is so stubborn, I'm going to break their leg. I'm going to break their arm. Because when something is broken, you can no longer utilize it. And it hurts. And there's a restoration process. And there's a lot of investment that you got to make in order to secure, to, in order to get it back to where it needs to be. Amen, somebody? So submission begins where agreement ends. <clears throat> In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. The paths of the Lord are not crooked. They're straight. If you feel like your paths are crooked, it's because you're not trusting God. And you're not submitting to him. And you know, you're like the Israelites that keep wandering around, wandering around. What should have only taken 40 days is taking 40 years. That, that's, that's not good. That's not good. And I, I feel by the Lord to say that there are some of you that have not learned and you're still in the same class and you flunked time and time again and you're discouraged you know why it's a discouraging thing to see everybody else pass the class even those that you look to i remember when i was a failure in class i looked to the other failures to feel some form of comfort but it was very discouraging when i even seen the failures begin to say you know i gotta get to work and I was like the only one that just didn't do anything. It sucks when you're the only one in the class left and you got to retake it. Amen, somebody. See, this is why this is why this is why leadership is so important. Is People say, I submit to God all day long, but they can't submit to a leader. See, you can't, if, you can't, if, if you can't submit to a leader you can see, you're not submitting to a God whom you cannot see. Amen. It's easier to rationalize away God's voice. And just turn it, just put the snooze button on his voice and say, ah, I'm submitting. And really what you're doing is, is you're editing out certain Bible verses and you're only highlighting the ones that are favorable to you. And then you put it on coffee mugs and you feel very pious and, 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 you know, really good about it. Even even put it on your wall like, ooh, it go good right there. We'll get a frame for it right here. And it's only the ones that, you know what I mean, speak for what you want. We'll get a little Joe Olstein quote right here. Oh, here goes my Best Life Now book right here. Right here for everyone to see so they'll, they'll see how good of a Christian I am. <laughs> 
know, I have to I have to use some form of humor to lighten the sting sometimes. Laughter does good like a medicine, and so hopefully your hearts can receive. The idea of those that <coughs> um, submission to leadership is very vital. And this is this is um, one of the ways that God checks us. It's one of the ways he checks us. Not not for embarrassment, not to shame, not to ridicule anyone, but for our own profit, for our own good. And that's why you find the people that miss meetings the most are the most rebellious. Because they just don't want to hear. And so, let's learn. Let's learn from the Lord. Let's learn from His Word. Um, in all our ways, all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. So He's not going to make the path straight if you're not submitting to Him, right? They only come when you begin to say, "Lord, I'm done." I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm going to shun evil. And then what does it say in verse 7? It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It brings health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You're not going to feel uh, uh, this heavy weight on you. You're not going to feel this heavy weight on you. You're going to live with peace. And then um, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. <clears throat> we'll just take a uh, uh, we'll just exposit this and then take a look at a couple other verses and then we'll come to a close. Um, honor, as we were talking about earlier, honor is one of those things that is often misunderstood in the Bible. Um, honor, actually, you can't separate honor from wealth. It's it's equated together. In fact, the uh, the word honor in the Hebrew is the word kavod, and it means rich, weighty, um, heavy. And w- this is why the Bible says that when the Lord honored Abraham, it says He made him rich. So honor and wealth always go together. That's why it says right here, honor the Lord with your wealth. When the the command to honor your parents, you have to understand the Hebraic background and context. What it meant to honor doesn't just mean to esteem them. You have to understand that there was no social welfare. And that honoring your father and your mother meant contributing to their needs with your wealth. 
because when they got older, they could not look for social security or a convalescent home to take care of them. They relied on their children to honor them. Amen. Does that make sense? This is why the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, to honor those who labor in the Lord. It says to bestow on them. Well, in fact, just take, put your thumb there in Proverbs chapter 3. Let us real quickly go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. So you guys know that I'm not speaking my own mind here. We have to be Bereans and, and check everything with the word. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work whose work is preaching and teaching. Bible says, verse 18, For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So you see how 17 is connected with 18. And eight and, and 18 says, the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So it's connecting that to bestowing double honor. So worthy, look, at verse 17 says worthy of double honor. Verse 18 says worthy of his wages. One of the things you have to understand in the Bible that sometimes it uses synonymous terms that sound different but are referring to one and the same thing. So that to be worthy of double honors to say that he's worthy of wages. You, you see that? Amen. That's why it says also in 1 Timothy when it talks about widows, it says that widows are worthy of honor. And that they are to they, they they should have washed the saints' feet. They should have been godly. They should and they have to be above sixty. It says, "Honor those who are widows." Indeed, what was he talking about? He was saying that they need to be taken care of with your wealth, because they did not have a social welfare system. So what happened? The widows needed the assistance from the church. But he says if the widows were young, he says command them to marry so that the church won't be burdened. So if they marry, the husband can take care of them. That's why it says, that's why in 1 Samuel, um, Saul said that when they were to go to Samuel, uh, said we can't go to him without a gift. Amen. That's Amen. that's why when Elijah, remember, this is why the Jews were so offended. And Jesus said, remember, Jesus says that a, a, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his own people. That was in the context of him speaking to the Jews. And then he says, don't you know that Elijah was not honored because he was then he references Elijah and how he was not sent to any Jew but the Samaritans who are not Jews who are not in Elijah's hometown nor Jesus's hometown and then what did he say he said that a widow who was uh, 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 I believe a Samaritan um, had received Elijah had honored Elijah you know how, how did she honor Elijah when Elijah had come to her household uh, he said, give me what you have left, and the Lord will honor you. And then what happened? She gave out of her poverty what she had left, and then her her uh, oil didn't, and, and her food never ran, uh, ran dry. 
Because Jesus says that if you honor a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. What does it mean to honor a prophet? Was to give of your wealth. That's what it meant. Look in 1 Kings. Look in 1 Samuel. Look up these passages later. But that's what it's saying right here. When to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, that's how you honor the Lord. Is is to give, um, and so I, I you you the Bible has to speak for itself, and that's that's what the Bible says. And there's many other passages that we could go to, but I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I think you get the under. I think you get the point. <coughs> um, and so, how do you elevate in life? Is, um, the Bible says that he uh, he that give uh, that any man is a friend to him that gives gifts. It says that in Proverbs. You know why? Because the giving of gifts, the giving of your wealth to a person, is an indication of your honor to them. So that's why if you honor your boss and you begin to say, "Hey, look, uh, I just bought you a coffee uh, on me," I it, it, just because of who you are. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for always doing what you do. Thank you for always signing my checks. Thank you for the hard work that you do for all of this this large corporation or for wherever that you're working. Honor will open doors for you. Dishonor will close them. That's why you can have seven children, but the one children who honors mom or honors dad, guess who's going to be favored? You. Amen. And guess guess who ends up getting their property? You. We don't do stuff for property. We don't do the point is I want you to learn a principle. Honor will get you places that that you never would have thought possible. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't, huh? Um So this is for our good. This is this is this is why we learn. Um understand that if you the Bible says if you honor the Lord, the Bible says he will repay. Give unto the Lord, it says and he shall repay. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. <coughs> one one last verse. Romans chapter 12. Just so, because I, 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 in, in the event that you guys don't believe me. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 12, give honor where honor is due. And it says, and it says in that same context, in that same verse, and it says, pay to, it says, if, if, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. He says, owe honor where honor is due. He says, so if you owe taxes, pay taxes. So it is not separating wealth from honor. The way we honor our government is not to avoid taxes, but to pay them. 
Does that make sense? Because they are workers and governors of the Lord and they need their wages. That's what taxes do, as well as contribute to society. But they earn their money from the taxes we pay to them. And so if we're trying to avoid paying taxes, guess what we're doing? We're not, we're not contributing to what they are worthy of. Now, how, if they, you know, whatever they do, that's, you know, different governments. I don't know if your government is corrupt. That's a separate issue. But the Lord knows what, the Lord sees your heart and he sees what he's commanded you to do. Now, we're, we're, and this is what it says in verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So the Lord always will contribute to those whom honor his cause and his purpose. Amen. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. <coughs> she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. L long life is in her right hand, in her left hand. Notice again, verse 15 our, uh, verse 16, our riches and honor. Once again, it's equating riches with honor. So when the Lord begins to honor you for honoring others, guess what he does? He increases your finances. He expands your influence. He begins to elevate you. These are the ways of the kingdom. Amen. You cannot keep a you cannot keep an honorable person down forever. That much is sure. Because the ways of the honorable is the ways of humility, and the Bible says if you humble yourself, the Lord the Lord will exalt you. And so, but um, in closing, the Bible says don't don't resent the Lord's rebuke, and we can ha we can come to a place where we despise His correction. And we can resent his rebuke. But what is the encouragement for not to resent it? Because the Bible says, those whom he rebukes, he loves. So if any of you right now are feeling correction, you know why? Because the Lord loves you. It's not because he... My brothers and sisters, it's the most terrifying thing in the world to not be corrected of God. In Romans 1, you know the people who have given themselves to homosexuality? It says he gives them up with their sinful heart's desire. I don't know about you, but one of the things I've told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't care how much it hurts, please don't ever stop rebuking me. Please don't stop correcting me. I don't want to go without correction. I don't. That's why no matter how hard it is, what, my, my wife can vouch, I have always told the truth. She's never seen me in an instance where I've lied. You know why? Because I don't want to delude my, I don't want to create a delusion for myself. 
Because I know if I lie and I lie to myself, I create my own reality. If I create my own reality, I am enshrouded in darkness. And I don't want to live in darkness. Even if it's embarrassing, if it hurts, it's hard to tell the truth. I want to be in the light so I am safe. Even if I fail, I'd rather fail in the light than feel like I'm doing good in the dark. And so if the Lord corrects you with his light, understand that it comes from love. It does us no good to to close our ears because what we're doing is saying, I don't want my reality corrected. But it's a false hope because it is no reality indeed. It's falsity. And at that point, we're no different than the man who says, I am a woman and a woman who says, I am a man. They're only denying the obvious. That proclivity is in each heart of man and you have to fight against it to stay in the light. Amen, brother. That's why even with leaders that I've submitted to in the past, There have been things that I've been told that would make me cry. Me. Now, I wasn't, you know, falling apart every day, just crying for this, crying for that. But there are some things that were very hard that I was told, and it would make me cry because it would penetrate me right to my heart. And in some cases, it was their fault because of how heavy-handed they were in their rebukes. But I purpose to say, you know what? I'd rather be um, corrected into heaven than comforted to hell. Amen. And so, don't resent the Lord's rebuke. Because if he rebukes you, guess what? That means he has accepted you as a son and as a daughter. For the Lord doesn't rebuke those whom are not His. I don't go around correcting all these little kids that run in these apartment complexes. They're not mine. They're not my children. I don't discipline them. That's why I don't waste a lot of time on these religious folks on Facebook and social media and stuff like that. You know, a lot of times they'll post something I'm about to say. Oh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to say a thing. Because they just trample the pearls and, you know. Um, but. Bible says in Hebrews that if we accept the Lord's discipline, says it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. It yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Because guess what? When you graduate the discipline, guess what? You don't have to get any more of the chancla. (laughs) 
Right? Did any of us get the chancla when we were younger? I mean, I got belts, I got fists, I got leg, I got feet. I, I mean, I had it all, and uh, it sucked. But um, you know, I think I think some of the kids today they need a little bit of that. <clears throat> Not as the first resort, as the last. Because I think parents can get trigger happy with disciplining people. A kid just treat just treating like a, a crash dummy, a punching bag. No. And one of the things too, and the, I say this for parents, one of the things, your children should not go without a rod. But that rod is the last resort. And as you discipline with the rod, understand that it should be accompanied by wisdom and you should state to them why they're getting disciplined because the rod in itself doesn't carry wisdom it carries pain but pain accompanied with wisdom is what steers them in the right direction and we only introduce pain when wisdom itself fails to correct amen amen and so, you know, like my son, I tell him, I say, son, you understand daddy is telling you to do this for this? And I don't, I don't get trigger happy. I, I seldom have to correct him because a lot of times, let me say this, and this is, this will be for those of you that will end up having children in the long run. And for those of who, who have children now, <coughs> um, Sometimes the children's behavior is a result of your parenting. I unfortunately have seen so many times where kids, um, they are so disrespectful to other adults, five-year-old kids. And I'll say this to, to bring condemnation. Um, but, you know, who can't listen. They, they will even say disrespectful things or hit other kids. Kids don't parent themselves. Parents parent them. And so, um, now, is it is it possible that even with good parenting, they can turn out wrong? Yes, it, it, that's true. Because um, God is the perfect father and some of his children still don't listen, right? But generally, it is the case that if you if you father and you mother them well, they will turn out as an honorable child. A child that will bring peace to your heart that will not be a grief nor burden to his parents. Generally, the case. There are exceptions. I understand some parents do a phenomenal job and their child still turns out very, very poor. And that's not a reflection of you. Um, I don't know why I'm on this. I just feel like the Lord wants me to go here. I'm sorry it's taking longer than, than usual, but I hope that um, you understand that we have to learn our parenting skills from God. And let, let me ask you this. Does God come to you 
with a fist or a belt at your first mistake. No. He's patient and he's long-suffering and he's merciful. But when it becomes a habit, and when you cross that line in your heart, where the Lord knows you're getting bold in your sin, that's when he turns up the heat. He says, ah, you're being disrespectful now. You're being dishonorable. It's no longer an issue of a mistake. You're crossing that line in your heart where where you're showing contempt for me and my authority. And that's, that's where the heat gets turned up. And he begins to introduce pain with wisdom. Amen? You know, if, if I was in person, it'd probably be around those times where I would say, it's quiet. And it's weird because it's quiet already, but I feel like a, a, a different quiet. Um, and this isn't to shame anybody. This isn't to shame anybody. Um, the Lord introduces these ideas to us so that we can make improvements. Why? Because we go back to the earlier verses, so that our years will be many, our lives will be prosperous, and it will be, be, it will be peace to us. So the Lord has your good hope in mind. He has a good life for you, a good purpose, a good plan. But it doesn't come without obedience. And so our obedience will be our rest. And so um, let's just not get too many spankings on our behind because it gets tired after a while. <laughs> right? Right? 